Welcome to Musicians vs. the World. Here in the U.S., many of the colleges and universities are getting ready to open their doors and welcome students back in their fall semesters. In this podcast, we've talked about going to school and music school and conservatories, mostly from the student's perspective. We've talked about issues such as choosing your professors and the best fit in schools in the episode, How to Make a Living in an Orchestra, with Madeline and Brian Blanchard. And we've talked about getting into music school through auditioning in How to Win an Audition with Dr. Scott Holden. But we haven't really talked about the beginning of school from the professor's point of view. But just as students are getting ready to go back to school, so are the faculty and school administrators. A couple months ago, I sat down with one of those administrators, Dr. Keith Bradshaw, who is currently serving as Associate Dean of the College of Performing and Visual Arts and Professor of Music at Southern Utah University. He is currently composer-in-residence with the Orchestra of Southern Utah and is the founding director of the Red Rock Singers, a mixed choir of 40 voices in Cedar City, Utah, and has conducted various college and community choirs. We spoke about his philosophy about music, composing music for others, including his wife, pianist Tracy Bradshaw, and how he finds spirituality in composing and in the world around him. He had some beautiful insights, and I encourage you to go back and listen to that episode, which we entitled Spirituality and Music with Dr. Keith Bradshaw. A part of the interview that didn't make it into that show was about Keith's career as a professor in a university and college setting. As this is a career path that some musicians work towards achieving, I think it's useful to share some of the highs and lows of a professor track for musicians. Keith is the perfect person to talk about this, because not only is he currently the Associate Dean of the College of Performing and Visual Arts at SUU, he also found himself building an entire music program from scratch at Southern Virginia University early on in his career. And on a personal note, my husband, who was much more of a sports guy than a music person, was first introduced to choral music in Keith's choir, and music has been a love of his life ever since. And anyone who can influence a life like that is definitely worth listening to for advice, in my opinion. So I hope you enjoy this second part of my chat with Dr. Keith Bradshaw. Okay, so I have a question. What exactly does an associate dean do? It's a good question. Uh, whatever the dean tells him to do is the <laughs> answer. Um and each associate dean will have different responsibilities depending on what the dean needs. Um, I work with uh, curriculum development and accreditation issues, faculty workload. I don't know. I just do what she wants. I, and I'm, I'm kind <laughs> of a, a, a sounding board for the dean. Uh, just mm -hmm. to have someone at the dean level that you can discuss confidential matters with is mm -hmm. hopefully a very helpful thing. I, our dean is fabulous, and we really work well together. So it's been a great relationship. Now I could probably talk all day about administrative things, but <laughs> if you want, it's it's rewarding and challenging, and you know you just you try and do what's best for the faculty and the students. Mm hmm. But it was a long road there because after you graduated from college, you went on and got a doctorate. And then you ended up actually building a program, a whole music program yeah. for a college from scratch. 
Like, how did that come about? I, I was trying to find a full-time position. Uh, I taught adjunct at Dixie College, and then I was on a one-year appointment at Southern Utah University. And we kind of hoped that would turn into a full-time appointment. One of my friends was visiting Southern Virginia University to look at their English program and was talking with uh, Randall Clough, who mentioned they were going to be looking for a music person. And he immediately thought of me, which was very kind of him, and said, you ought to get in touch with this person. And he said, well, have him, have him apply. And so I did not knowing what was going to happen with my position here, but kind of a backup. It came down to the chair of the department here. I met with him and I said, I just need to know what's happening here um, because they offered me the job at Southern Virginia. And he said, I'm meeting with the president tomorrow to talk about positions and uh, I'll let you know. So he came back the next day and said, we were hoping for uh three full-time positions and we only got one and we really need a percussionist. Mm. And I said, well, no problem. That makes my decision very easy. And so I accepted the job at uh, Southern Virginia. And this was over spring break and the faculty came back and were not too pleased because they liked me just fine, but they really wanted my wife to be there. who was a fabulous (laughs) And and, you know, it was kind of a, a team that they were losing. And, I, and right. so um, they offered to petition the chair. And I said, no, I've already accepted another position. Well, you can call them back and turn them down. I said, I can't. Right. So we went to Virginia and that was quite a move. We had no place to stay. And when we got there, we found that there were no places to stay. Yes, it's a tiny town. It's tiny. And everything by that point, it was very late because I, you know, it was just a week before school started and everything was taken. We ended up sharing a house with a, a single man. He, he's actually married. His wife and family weren't here. He was here to teach adjunct and hopefully get a position. Um, so we shared a house with him until we could find something else. And I started to put together a music degree. Having never done that before, you know, I, I modeled it after what I felt was necessary and pretty standard in all music degrees. Um, I had a lot to learn. Um, I didn't do badly, but I needed to learn the difference between a bachelor of arts degree and a bachelor of music degree, because my experience had been with bachelor of music degrees. I, I was trying to make a bachelor of music degree. And so once we figured that out, we tried to, to keep the degree down in credits and, uh, make it a true liberal arts degree instead of a a bachelor of music degree. But the basic structure I set up was correct. And I had to do everything. I was the only music professor. So I taught theory and oral skills. I directed two choirs, the chamber choir and the women's choir. I, I taught music appreciation. I taught voice lessons. I taught piano lessons. I, what else did I teach? I, I was doing everything. And when I look back at what I was teaching, it was probably a double load for a regular faculty member. I would think so. I mean, you were the music department. That was it. Wow. So things grew from there. We had, you know, just a, a handful of majors. We The chamber choir was about 26 voices, and probably two-thirds of those were women. Mm-hmm. 
and it just improved from there. The the school was young and uh, on kind of shaky ground financially. We didn't know if we were going to make it through a couple of summers, but we did, and I feel pretty good about where it is today. I'm glad to see it's doing well mm-hmm. and in good. Yes, and what I love about SVU is when I went to visit there, that group that you taught are so dedicated and they still love music, every single one of them, and they still are all active in music in some sort of way. And you've influenced their lives and you've been such a huge impact in their lives. And I don't know, I mean, I'm sure it does happen in large, larger schools too, but something about that small school structure really created a special environment there. And the, the impact wasn't one way. I'll, I'll let you know for sure. Uh, they've impacted my life as well. And I, you know, I look back at that first choir and I think for a school of 235 students, that was a remarkable choir. And it wasn't that we had the most fabulous voices, but their hearts were in it. Yes. Um, And they were dedicated and they really worked hard to sound the best they could, which I, I would much rather have that than a choir of really good voices that Mm -hmm. care less. And we had some Wonderful and crazy experiences along the way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've heard about some of those. <laughs> yes, I'm sure you have. And I probably don't even know some of them, thankfully. <laughs> you probably, well, you probably know most of them. But um, so what is one of your favorite memories from SVU? It's, it's hard to pinpoint one. Um, our trip to Florida, which we really probably shouldn't have done, you know, we took three shuttles, one of which broke down. Um, we stayed in a, a fairly low-class hotel, very close to the beach. You know, we, we sang in a few churches, and um, I know there was one life we touched, and that was the hotel manager who wrote a letter to President Fawson talking about how wonderful the choir was and we sang for him and he, he teared up and just was really moved by, you know, how good our students were, how well behaved and how well they sang. And so that was a wonderful experience. The, the trip itself, we just had a lot of fun, you know, played some on the beach and played a lot of Dudo (laughs) in the bands and just enjoyed ourselves as well as, uh, you know, sang some concerts and, and hopefully uh, raised some spirits along the way. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You didn't stay there forever. From SVU, you moved to Southern Utah University, which is where you are now. Yes. Which is much more established and larger. Yes. Um, it's, you know, that that was such a heartrending decision to leave Southern Virginia University. You know, I felt like the choir was at a really good place. Just given a concert that they were really, really becoming a refined choir. And I was becoming a refined director, which, you know, I had done some directing, but nothing to the degree of of college choir. So 
it was a growth period for all of us, but I was really happy with how things were going. I loved where we, we built our own house. We had two and a half acres of land overlooking the Blue Ridge Mountains. It was idyllic and just we're very happy. I was bishop of our ward in, in the church there and, you know, enjoying that. And then this job came up and we got a call from the chair of the music department here who was stepping down. They were having some struggles in the music department and needed someone from the outside to come in to kind of be a a neutral voice. And I'd worked with her when I was here before, and she knew what I had been doing. And so she called and said, I think you ought to apply. And I I didn't laugh at her. I kept it in, but my wife did laugh at her. (laughs) But uh, I said, I'm really happy where I am. Right. And, uh, you know, I don't plan on leaving. And we talked a bit and finally said, okay, I'll apply. But I am very happy here. So I applied and I couldn't get it off my mind. You know, we have family out here. We started weighing the pros and cons. And it was just, you know, I, I built this program from scratch. And leaving it was extremely difficult. I loved the students. I loved my colleagues. And I loved the idea of of the university and and supported it, and I still do. But we finally made the decision. Family won, so we took the job. And uh, yes, the department was more established. There were still a lot of things to fix. Um, One of them was relations among faculty. One of them was relations with the community, uh, the curriculum that they had developed. They were kind of halfway between a Bachelor of Arts degree and a Bachelor of Music degree, working their way toward a Bachelor of Music degree. And so working that out and, and applying for Bachelor of Music degrees and all of those things, there were a lot of good things that we accomplished. And I was chair for 11 years. You know, there were lots of challenges along the way, but uh, we did a lot of good things. And now I'm, I'm associate dean, which is a lot easier. I don't have to deal with people's problems. um, you know, I have administrative responsibilities. I've never been just a full-time faculty member from my first full-time job at, uh, Southern Virginia, where I was the program director for music and theater, and then the, uh, division chair for the arts. And then coming here, I was chair and now I'm associate dean and I've just never been a regular faculty member. You know, you ask about growing up when I, looked at becoming a music professor, it was never my intent to be an administrator. But things don't always happen like you think they will. And that's what I've been doing. Yeah. And everything you learned at Southern Virginia University seems to transfer over beautifully. Yeah. Um, And I've, you know, I've learned some things here as well. I hope I'm continuing to learn. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's been a, it's been a good journey, not without challenges, but, uh, I I don't think I'd want a life without challenges. How's this last year been with COVID? COVID? And with all of the restrictions? It's uh it's been fine. It's been challenging for performing ensembles. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been for challenging with recitals and you know classes we've continued to hold face to face. Uh I I should say this year Last year, at the end of spring semester, when COVID hit and everything shut down, we went to finishing up the semester online. Mm -hmm. 
but this year we're we're face to face. Everyone has to wear masks. We sanitize all the time, and we've done extremely well. There have been no students in the music department that have caught COVID because of contact with someone else in the department. Oh, that's amazing. There have been a few that have got it outside, and then they've uh-huh. quarantined. But uh, it's it's really quite remarkable, and we've. I feel pretty good about what we've done. We've still held concerts without audiences and Zoomed all of those. It's been great. It's been challenging uh, sometimes with figuring out the technology and having everything work the way it's supposed to, making sure people get into the class when you're in the middle of teaching and they come late and all those kinds of things. But for the most part, I think it's worked very well. We've been able to uh, continue almost normally. And honestly, it's amazing that there was no transmission within the School of Music. It is, because we still held our ensembles. The band still met. We tried to limit. I think they split them in half. Half would meet one day, half would meet the next day to be able to social distance. Mm-hmm. But they, they met, they practiced, they performed. We just didn't have audiences. Did you see a difference in enrollment? We uh, did not. That's great. Our, our enrollment actually increased a little bit. Did it really? It did. That's fantastic. It, it uh, surprised us all because a lot of people did see a decrease in enrollment. Right. I, it's been challenging for a lot of places, and a lot of places were harder hit than we were. Mm-hmm. And they've had to do strictly online. And, and there are people who don't want to study strictly online. They like the face-to-face. And so you'll lose some of those. Mm-hmm. Hopefully those things will all bounce back here in the year or two and life will continue as normal. Yeah. Well, I think maybe Southern Utah had a little bit of an edge because you already have an online master's degree in music. We do. Technology was already somewhat here. Zoom, uh, we needed to just increase our licenses for and uh, get equipment to go into classrooms, all the cameras and things. But, you know, I think we were probably in a better situation than a lot of people. Yeah. Yep. And then going back and kind of bringing all of this in with composing, you've been composing throughout your whole career, even when you were like the one man show, the one man music department. Yeah. And part of that, part of being the one man show, we also had no money to order music. Right. And so a lot of my writing was for the choirs to have music to perform. Oh, Oh, really? Yeah, we didn't, there was no money. I borrowed music from Washington and Lee University, and they were so gracious to let us use music from their collection. Um, And then I had to do a lot of arranging for women's choir. And uh, that women's choir took a great deal more of time than the chamber choir because I, (laughs) I was, I've never sung in a women's choir before. (laughs) And the repertoire was new to me. So that was uh, an interesting experience. And I know the women's choir felt like they were kind of the second choir, but they took more of my time Mm -hmm. and uh, more (laughs) of my effort. So you still have all that choral music. Are you still composing choral music as well, or is it mostly instrumental at this point? No, I I still do choral music. Okay. I'm directing a community choir here, and I I still write some things occasionally for them. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, since I came here, there just seemed to have been more opportunities for orchestral writing. 
and composer in residence with the Orchestra of Southern Utah, as you mentioned. And I, so I write for them and the orchestra at the university and it's been good, but I, yeah, I still do choral music. Mm -hmm. Do you connect with one type of ensemble more than another when you're composing? Uh, I probably connect more with choir because that's more of my experience. I, you know, I played French horn, so I was in bands and orchestras and they're not foreign to me, but I feel like I have a better connection with choirs and maybe it's because choirs sing with words and orchestras Mm -hmm. don't play with words. It's really hard to play and talk at the same time. (laughs) Especially um, the French horn. Yeah. Choir music, I think, may reach some parts of me that orchestra music doesn't. Right. What's something that you would like people to know, either that are wanting to go to school or want their children to go to school and um, to be a musician or not? What's something? What's one word of advice you would give to them? I think everyone should be forced to take piano for a little while. Like that. At, at some point, the parent has to decide whether their relationship with their child is more important than the child learning piano uh, for some kids. <laughs> <laughs> but at least make them try it. Right. Absolutely. There are lots and lots of studies that show the value of studying music and brain function. And, you know, it's it's kind of irrefutable. So it's really good to have your kids study music. And, you know, I started out at six years old taking piano. I begged my mom to take piano. And finally she gave in when I turned six. She said, you have to wait till you're six. So I got playing the piano. And after two weeks, I thought, this is not nearly as fun as I want yeah. it to be. <laughs> and, and then it was, you know, kind of torture between having my mom make me practice and trying to get out of practicing. And I was so less until I looking back, I wish I would have stuck with it better and been more diligent, but football was my love and I wanted to be outside playing football. So, um, finally at, at the age of 12, I was playing trumpet in the band. And my mom said, okay, you can quit. You'll regret it someday. He said, no, I won't. Yes, you will. And here I am a music professor that regrets that I don't play the piano better. (laughs) Um, But I was still involved in music and whether or not I would have gone into music, the benefits would have still been there. And I, I see it in other of my siblings and other people who have studied music it has a, a tremendous impact and and makes life a little more worthwhile, I think. Yeah, I agree. And I think the more of those profound experiences you have, the better life is. And if music is the way that you get there, yeah. then more people should do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you coming and talking with me. Thank you so much. Happy to do it. And thanks for having me. I think this is a... I I applaud it. I think it's great that someone's doing this about music and, and various aspects of music.
Musicians vs. the World is a production of Frosted Lens Entertainment in conjunction with Smith Sound Music. A very special thank you to Dr. Keith Bradshaw for sharing his time, his insights, and his music with us today. In today's episode, we heard the following pieces composed by Keith Bradshaw and performed by the Orchestra of Southern Utah under the direction of Shun Sun, Canyon Concerto with percussionist Lynn Vartan as soloist, and Fantasy for Piano and Orchestra with pianist Tracy Bradshaw as soloist. You can find out more about the Orchestra of Southern Utah at myosu.org. We've also heard Shenandoah, O Graceful Harp, and O Magnum Mysterium, performed by that original Southern Virginia choir discussed in today's conversation and directed by Keith Bradshaw. If you have enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss out on any future conversations. And if you want to help us reach more people that may be interested in today's topic, please share this episode with them or leave us a nice review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any topics you'd like to hear discussed or questions about music or musician life that you'd like answered, please be sure to reach out to us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, or send us an email at info at Thanks so much. Thank you.